Hello and welcome to Account Instruction Help and How To. In this lecture, we're going to talk about the allowance method related to the accounts receivable account. At the end of this, we will be able to define what the allowance method is and record transactions related to the allowance method, including recording the bad debt, recording a receivable account that has been determined to be uncollectible under the allowance method, and recording a receivable account that has been collected after being determined to be uncollectible. So quick discussion on what the allowance method is. Remember what we're talking about here is the accounts receivable account. That's going to be an asset account. We have the asset account of accounts receivable. And we know that when we record the asset account as an asset, it's very possible that some of those receivables will not be collected. Now it depends on the type of industry we are in, in terms of how much of those receivables will be collectible. Some industries obviously have a lot higher rate of receivables not being collectible than others. But the point is that we don't want to overstate the balance sheet. We really want to report the receivables at what we believe will be collected. We need to have the receivables on there because we want to have the subsidiary account. We want to be able to track the receivables, obviously. And they are, of course, an asset. They are representing something that we have earned. We've done the work. We've earned the receivable. However, we need to record the amount of those receivables that will be uncollectible in some way. Now, in order to do that, we would need what's called the allowance method, meaning we're going to have an allowance for doubtful accounts related to the accounts receivable account. Now, if we don't have that, if we have very small receivables or for, for a smaller company that's not publicly traded and we're not required to have generally accepted accounting principles to, to follow them exactly, in which case we would have to use the allowance method, then we would use the direct write-off method. That's the easiest way to think about the writing off of receivables that are not collectible. For example, if we had the receivable on the books, and we recorded the receivable this time period and then next year someone came in and they said hey this receivable is not going to be collectible you know the company went bankrupt and they're not going to, you're not going to get payment for these or we just determined that these receivables are not going to be collectible because it's been so long we haven't been able to collect we haven't been able to contact anyone then under the direct write-off method we would say okay let's reduce the receivable and record the bad debt at that time and it'd be a very straightforward journal entry we would just say okay the receivable needs to go down, we're going to credit the receivable, and we're going to debit bad debt ex expense at the time it happens. That makes perfect sense we, if we determine that a receivable is not going to be collectible. There's something wrong with that, however, and what's wrong with that is that that bad debt expense is being written off at a period after the time period in which the revenue was earned, and the matching. it doesn't uh, agree with the matching principle. We'd like to write it off at the same time period as the revenue was earned. Now, so in order to do that, we're going to put in the allowance method. The allowance method meaning we want to try to estimate how much of those receivables are not going to be collectible in the same period that the revenue was earned related to them, matching up the revenue and the expenses in accordance with the matching principle of the accrual principle of matching. Now, of course, we don't know which receivables are not going to be collectible. We don't know which ones aren't going to be there, but we do know that some of them will not be collectible. Therefore, we're not going to write down the receivable count directly. We're not just going to say, let's reduce the receivable count for the amount we think is uncollectible. We will instead make an allowance for doubtful accounts, and we're going to put it into that account. And it's going to be similar to like depreci accumulated depreciation account being a contra-asset account, meaning we had to calculate the book value of a piece of equipment by saying it went on the books as an asset at a debit balance minus the accumulated re depreciation related to it means that we have the book value of the debit minus the credit. We're going to do the same thing here. We're going to say the 
receivable account. That's what's on the receivable. That's who owes us money. However, we have the credit of the allowance for doubtful accounts related to this receivable. And therefore, the net value that we believe is collectible is going to be the receivable minus the allowance for doubtful accounts. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through these transactions first and we're going to re we're going to have an allowance for doubtful accounts already recorded and then we'll talk about recording the allowance for doubtful accounts. So we're going to go through a scenario where a company is going to be on the allowance method. We have the receivables recorded. We have an allowance for doubtful accounts already recorded and then we're going to go through there and record the transactions uh, in this scenario. Then we'll calculate how to come up with the allowance for doubtful accounts at the end of the time period. So when we first start off, we want to imagine the trial balance. We're imagining the trial balance here. We got a, we're focusing in on a few accounts. We're focusing in, of course, on the accounts receivable and the allowance for doubtful accounts. But we have on the trial balance, we have our assets. Remember the giant T, we've got the cash, we've got the accounts receivable, we've got the allowance. I'm imagining them in green. In terms of the giant red T, they're on the left-hand side, the debit side. And then we have the payable. The only thing on our trial balance, imagine that as a yellow account on the right-hand side of the T. Our capital account, that's going to be bright blue on I'm imagining it. It's on the right side. It's a credit right side of the T. Remember, revenue is our next account in our trial balance. It's going to be a uh, credit balance account on the right side of the T. And then all the expenses, including bad debt expense and then utilities expense and all other expenses, will be underneath. I'm going to imagine those as a navy blue because they're related to equity section. However, they're broken out in the trial balance. Their debit balance accounts, total debits, equal total credits. In terms of the accounts we're focusing in on, we're, we're imagining the accounts receivable has 1,200,000 in it. And we have a related allowance for doubtful account. If we're looking at the trial balance, we can see it right underneath there. It has a credit balance, even though it's, it's an asset, just like accumulated depreciation has a credit balance, even though it's an asset. It's a contra asset. It's another contra asset. So people owe us 1,200,000. But we believe, based on past experience, based on a calculation we had done prior, which we will look at at the end of this, that 40000 of it is not collectible. We've already recorded that 40000 We've said, hey, we don't know how, we, who's not going to pay us that $1,200,000, but we believe that there's $40,000 worth of payment that will not be received of that $1,200,000. Therefore, the net value that we believe is an asset related to receivables is... 1,160,000, the 1,200,000 minus the 40,000. What that means then is if a client comes to us and says, or if a customer comes and says, hey, you know what, I can't pay, or we determine that a customer cannot pay, we're not going to write it off to the income statement now. We're not going to write it off there. We've already done that, and we've already made this estimate of the 40,000. We're just going to write it off to the allowance method. Why? Because when we wrote off that 40,000, it's related to the prior year's income. And we wanted to write off that bad debt expense in relation to that income. So now we have an estimate of 40000 that we're going to write off any bad debts to during this time period rather than putting them on the income statement and affecting net income. And we'll see, we'll have to adjust for it at the end because, of course, it's not going to be exact. It was an estimate of 40000 So that's the scenario. Let's take a look at the first thing that happens. We're going to say that it was determined that CW Company, who is a client or customer of ours, would not pay the amount of is not going to be able to pay the amount of nine thousand. Now, if we're, I'm going to imagine the account receivable account being there. We got the general ledger. We can look at the general ledger act activity, which in this case only has the beginning balance of the one million two hundred thousand. And of course, we have our subsidiary ledger. Remember, the subsidiary ledger is broken out by customer. So if we go to our subsidiary ledger, that's that's backing up the amount of the one million two hundred thousand. 
not by date but by customer and we find the CW company we can see that they owe us that $9,000. So what we're going to need to do in terms of the journal entry we're going to say that we need to write that down. So there's $9,000 owed to us by this customer we're going to write it off. So that means accounts receivables, a debit balance account. We're going to have to do the opposite thing to it, which in this case is going to be a credit. So our journal entry is obviously going to be a credit to accounts receivable, reducing the accounts receivable. And then we're going to have to debit something. Now, obviously, normally we would debit cash, but we're not going to get cash here. We're not going to get the cash. That's the whole point. Now, under the direct write-off method, we would debit the bad debt expense at this time. Note, that's not what we're going to do under the allowance method. Why? Because it's very unlikely that we are in the same time period as when the revenue was recorded. And, and we already estimated the bad debt expense related to the revenue related to this particular account in the allowance method. So what we're going to do is we're going to debit the allowance for doubtful accounts. So we're going to have a debit to allowance for doubtful accounts, a credit to accounts receivable for this transaction when we determine that the client could not pay us. What's the effect on the trial balance? Well, accounts receivable had a debit of $1,200,000 minus the $900,000 brings the accounts receivable down to 1,191,000. So that's what has to happen, of course, because they don't owe us the money anymore. We've got to reduce the receivable. But then right underneath it, we have the contra asset account that's now right underneath accounts receivable. It has a credit balance, not a debit balance, because it's the opposite. It's a contra account, even though it's an asset. And we debited it. So it has a credit balance. We did the opposite thing to it, bringing it from 40,000 down by 9,000 to 31,000. So note that the net value didn't do anything here. We just, the net receivable is still what it is because all we did was reduce the receivable and reduce the contra account related to the receivable and it just ties each other out. So it's kind of like we already knew that $40,000 was not going to be collected. We just didn't know who wasn't going to pay us. Now we determined that $9,000 of that $40,000 was from CW Company. So now we can take it directly out of the receivable and say 9,000 of it is directly related to the CW and remove it from the subsidiary ledger. So now if we added all the accounts up in the subsidiary ledger, it would tie out to what's in the general ledger and it would also tie out to the accounts receivable on the trial balance. Next transaction, we're going to say that company G made a partial payment and went bankrupt. It is determined that it will not receive the balance. So we have another customer, they gave us some money. They gave us uh, 20,000 cash, but they owed us 30,000. So they went bankrupt. We got some money from them, but we're not gonna get the rest of it. So we can think about the transaction related to this type of account. So first, and this one we're gonna say, well, is cash affected? Yeah, cash is affected. We've got uh, $20,000. So we're gonna say cash is a debit balance. We're gonna do the same thing to it in our journal entry. We're gonna increase cash by that 20,000. Anytime cash is affected, that's the first thing you would think about because it's the first thing it's easy to, to get the cash laid out and then fill in the pieces of the rest of your journal entry. Next thing that normally happens is when we get cash on account is we would write down the receivable. So that's usually what I would think of next. Why did we get cash? Well, they're paying off the receivable. And so the receivable has a debit balance. It needs to go down. So we're going to do the opposite thing to it, which is a credit. Now, the tricky thing about this transaction is we're not going to credit the 20000 why? Because they're not going to pay us the added 10000 10, We're never going to get it. We're just going to write that off. So if we looked at the subsidiary ledger for company G related to what they owe here, we would see that they owe us $30,000. Now, we determined that even though they only paid us 20, they're not going to pay us the other 10. If they were, if we said, okay, they're still going to pay us the 10, 
Then we would just credit 20, we'd leave the 10 on the books, and we would get paid later. But it was determined that they went bankrupt, so we're never going to get the other 10. So instead of crediting just the 20, we got to credit 30,000 to take that balance down to zero, even though they only paid the 20. So we've got a debit to cash of 20,000, a credit to accounts receivable of 30 in our journal entry now. The debits don't equal the credits. What's the difference going to be? It's going to go to allowance for doubtful accounts because it's uncollectible under the allowance method. Remember, if we we're on the direct write-off method, which was not, which is not GAAP, generally accepted accounting principles, we would write it off to bad debt at that time. But we had already determined that 40,000 of the accounts will not be collectible. We just didn't know who wasn't going to pay us. Now we know who. Uh, Company G went bankrupt. They're not going to pay us $10,000 of that account. So this is going to be the transaction. We're going to debit cash. We're going to credit the 30000 for accounts receivable. And we're going to debit allowance for doubtful accounts 10000 So the cash 20 and the allowance for doubtful accounts 10 adds up to 30 Debits equal the credits. If we record that then, the cash is going to go up in the debit direction by 20 Accounts receivables was at 1,191,000. We credited it by the 30,000, the amount owed by company G. And that would take it down, because we're doing the opposite thing to it, to 1,161,000. And then we had 31,000 in the allowance method, the allowance for doubtful accounts last time. That is a contra asset account. We debited it by 10,000. That brings it down to 21,000. So now we've got the uh, accounts see about 1,161 minus the 21,000, the debit minus the credit. That would give us the, the net value that would be collectible at this time, or we're saying is collectible, the net value of the receivables. If we were to look at the subsidiary ledger, then we would see that uh, the G company had 30,000. We wrote it down by 30,000. We credited 30,000 to G's, G's account in the subsidiary ledger for accounts see, bring it down to zero. Then if we added up all the customers that owe us money in the subsidiary ledger, that would then tie out to the accounts receivable account. And then, of course, if we looked at the general ledger for the accounts receivable by date, what has happened so far, we started out with 1,200,000. We credited it for 9,000 for that first journal entry, bringing it, out to, bringing it down to 1,191,000. Now we credit it by 30,000, bringing it down to 1,161,000. That, of course, is what ties out to the subsidiary ledger. That's what's on the trial balance as well. Next transaction. This is going to be an unusual transaction, but it does happen and it really tests how we're going to treat this type of transaction under the allowance method. So in this transaction, we received payment from CW company after we had assumed that the debt uh, uncollectible had been written off. So this is kind of the, we said, hey, CW company hasn't been paying us for the longest time. We wrote off the debt and said, hey, they're never going to pay us. We're never gonna, we can't get a hold of this company anymore. And then all of a sudden they showed up, they walked in the door, and they gave us the money after we had already written it off. Well, how are we going to deal with that? That's kind of unusual. Again, it doesn't happen that often, and that's going to we're going to write it off, and then they come in and pay us afterward. But it's great that it does happen, and it's, it tests what really goes on in our accounts, how are we going to deal with that type of transaction. Now, you might think if I go through our normal questions, I'd say, uh, is cash affected? And we're going to go, yeah, we received $9,000. We should debit cash. And that's kind of true, but... And this is kind of an exception to the rule because of this, because of the fact that we already wrote them off. What we want to do is really put them back in good standing and reverse the write-off that we did last time. That puts them back on the books. Then do our normal transaction, which would be a debit to cash and a credit to receivables. 
The reason we want to do this, even though it is redundant when we look at the journal entry, we could do it with just two accounts, but we, we want to put them back on the books because that gives us an audit trail on the subsidiary ledger that, hey, this client is good. It's not like they didn't pay us. They did pay us. It was late, but they did pay us, and we want to show that in the audit trail. So if we look at the subsidiary ledger for CW and we see the balance, the activity that has happened, we'll see that they owed us 9000 and then we wrote it off. We credited 9000 bringing the balance down to zero. And that would show that the, that the company did not pay us. And that could have some effects on whether we do transactions with them in the future. What we want to do now is put it back on the books and then write it off again. Because we don't just want to leave it at zero. We want to create that audit trail and put it back on the books. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to say debit the account receivable and the subsidiary ledger for CW uh, of 9000 Putting them back in good standing. And then we're going to credit the allowance account, just reversing the exact transaction we did last time. So if we did that, then what we would do is we would have a debit to accounts receivable. That would increase the accounts receivable. And then we would have a credit to the allowance, which would increase the allowance. Because remember, we had 21000 in the allowance as a credit. And we're going to credit it, putting them back in good standing here, bringing the balance in the allowance account back up to thirty. So remember, it's a contra asset account. So you got the one million one sixty one minus the thirty thousand now. Then we're going to record the second journal entry, and that will be the normal journal entry when someone just pays us. We're going to say, okay, now cash is affected, cash is going up. We're going to debit cash by nine thousand in the second journal entry, and then we're going to credit the normal credit accounts receivable, reducing the receivable. So if we do that, debit to cash, it's going to increase cash. Cash is the balance. We're going to do the same thing to it, which in this case would increase cash. And then we are going to credit the receivable. So the receivable is a debit balance account. We're going to credit it, and that's going to make it go back down. That's our normal journal entry, meaning the cash goes up, the receivable goes down. If we look at the subsidiary account for uh, this customer, CW, in the subsidiary ledger, then we had 9000 owed. Then we wrote it off, and then we put them back on the books, 9000 again, by reversing that entry, and then we wrote it off again. So we had a debit of 9000 credit to take it off the books, and then we had a debit of 9000 to reverse the fact that we took it off, and we shouldn't have because it was still good, apparently, because they came in and paid it later. And then we, then we put, took it off the books because they paid us cash. Now, that's going to be the transaction. Now... If you look at this transaction, you might say this is redundant. If I just look at the journal entries, I can eliminate this journal entry and just have two accounts rather than two entire journal entries. How could we do that? We could debit cash just like we normally would, and then we would credit the allowance account, and that's and that would be that would be the same effect in terms of just end result as as this process here. Because notice what we did: we debited the receivable in the first journal entry and we credited the receivable in the in the last journal entry. But if we did that, notice that the uh, account receivable account would never be affected, meaning the subsidiary account would never be affected, meaning we should we wouldn't show this activity showing that uh, the the account was actually paid off. It wasn't that it was written off, it was paid off. So we want to show that audit trail in the subsidiary ledger for this customer. Therefore, we have to reverse the last transaction and then record the normal transaction that happens when someone pays us on account. Next transaction is going to say that we determined that company P and company BD company did, will not pay us. So we got two more companies that we're going to say that these receivable, they're included in our receivable. They're not going to pay us. We've got to write those companies off. And then if we go to the subsidiary ledger again and we look at BD, they owe us uh, 8000 
if we look at p they owe us six thousand seven hundred so we need to write those two off if we add those two up it adds up to fourteen seven so in the receivable fourteen seven thousand fourteen thousand seven hundred is not going to be paid to us so we got to reduce the receivable by that amount the receivable is a debit bounce account we're going to do the opposite thing to it which in this case would be a credit so we're going to credit the receivable and then we're going to debit what are we going to debit we're going to debit allowance for doubtful accounts so remember under the direct write-off method method we would be debiting bad debt expense and by the way you might be thinking why don't we debit revenue because what really happened here is we recorded revenue in the past and we never really got revenue and notice we're, we're, we never really reduce revenue so same thing revenue really only goes up it's true that this is kind of a reduction of revenue because we recorded revenue and we never really got revenue because we never got paid but what we're doing is we're recording this expense of the bad debt related to the related to the revenue in this case now under the allowance method we've already recorded the fact that forty thousand of it will not be paid we just didn't know who and now we're saying these two companies are not going to pay us therefore we're not going to affect the income statement because we did that last time when we made the estimate in order to match the the expense with the revenue in the same time period in accordance with the matching principle what we're going to do is we're going to put it up in the balance sheet in the allowance account so we're debiting the allowance take, take bringing down the contra asset account and crediting the receivable reducing the receivable if we take a look at the journal entries in in terms of the trial balance we had one million one sixty one thousand as a debit in accounts receivable we credited by fourteen thousand seven hundred we have now fifteen thousand three hundred left there so now we've got the account receivable one million one forty six three minus the credit of fifteen thousand three hundred in the allowance account giving us the net receivable and of course if we look at the subsidiary ledger for bd company who didn't pay us they had the eight thousand on the books and now we're writing we're taking that off we're writing it off so we credited that customer's account so you can imagine their t account eight thousand on the books we credited it bringing it down to zero they don't owe us any money anymore because they're not we just determined they're not going to pay us and we're not going to be able to collect on it and then p company same thing they owed us 6700 on their account in the account receivable subsidiary ledger we're crediting their account bringing that account down to zero as well if we add up all the rest of the companies in the subsidiary ledger that amount will be 1,146,300 tying out to what's on the trial balance tying out to what's on the general ledger in terms of the general ledger activity notice that we started out with 1,200,000 then we credited 9,000 for not, that what will not be paid bringing the balance down to 1,191,000 then we credited 30,000 because that wasn't going to be paid and, and we got 20,000 of it and then 10,000 wasn't going to be paid but we reduced the receivable by 30,000 for account receivable bringing it down to 1,161,000 and then we debited it 9,000 to reverse the fact that one company uh, one customer came back and paid us but then we came back in and credited it so that brings it back up and then back down so that we can show that audit trail bring us to the same balance as we had before and now we're crediting it by 17,000 I mean 14,700 representing the fact that these two clients P and BW or customers aren't going to bring us pay us bringing us the balance down to 1,146,300 now what we're going to do is imagine it's the end of the time period here and we need to make a new estimate for the next time period so what we have now in the accounts receivable has got 1,146,300 and we have the allowance of 15,300 and the net would be the difference between those two we would say the receivable minus the allowance is the net receivables that we believe that we are going to collect now note that although in this case 
we still have an allowance that has a credit in it because remember at the beginning we estimated that 40,000 would be uncollectible and at the end we still have 15,300 that are determined that are still uncollectible and we didn't determine a customer that's not going to pay us so those are still un, undefined receivables that are going to be uncollectible that are still on the books note that it is possible for the allowance account to flip the other way we estimated 40,000 to be uncollectible if it was determined that 50,000 was actually uncollectible from clients and customers then we would have a 10,000 debit balance and of course that that doesn't make a lot of sense when you're looking at it because you're saying okay the receivables there and then you have a debit but what that represents is the estimate was was wrong and we need to make a new estimate at the end of the time period so hopefully the estimates going to be closed and then at the end of the time period we make the new estimate we're saying at the end of the time period now we got to make a new estimate there's two ways we can do this remember what we're trying to do is we're trying to say of the receivables that were sold on account the income related to those we're trying to see how much of that income is not going to be received so we're really thinking about the income statement although we're talking about accounts receivable we're really thinking about the timing and that's the matching problem we're trying to say how much of the revenue that we earned this time period was on account how much of that revenue is not going to be paid to us therefore how much can we write it down by in this time period so that we have the a bad debt expense related to the companies that, that aren't going to pay us in the same time period as the revenue that is earned there's two ways that we can make this estimate what we're going to do is we're going to look at the past we're going to see what has happened in the past see what happens in the industry overall and make some type of calculation in terms of seeing of an, a reasonable calculation on this two ways we can think of this if you if you just to think of how to do this one would be we could say hey let's look at the revenue accounts see all the accounts that were sold on account and look at the percentage of those that are uncollectible in the past so we could take a percentage of the revenue and have that as a determining factor to make the journal entry to adjust the allowance account back up meaning we're debiting the bad debt expense now related to the income earned in this time period and we're going to credit the allowance account bringing that allowance account back up as the contra account related to accounts receivable that's one way we can do it in my experience the more common way that i've seen mostly is to look at the receivable account and break it out by aging and then try to determine how much is going to be uncollectible based on how old the debt is and then we're still affecting the income statement because we're going to have to figure out that the other side of the journal entry related to bad debt will be related to the income so that's the way i'm going to demonstrate here and what we're going to do is we're going to say the receivable account has one million one forty six thousand in, in it if we get an accounts receivable aging account an accounts receivable aging account basically just breaks out that balance kind of instead of by customer as a subsidiary ledger it's breaking it out by groups of how past due it is so remember the general ledger is is by date in terms of of transaction this one is recording the amount of data that is the amount of accounts receivable that is due that is past due and it's going to give how past due it is so it might say that it's 30 days 30 to 60 days past due uh, 60 to 90 days over 90 days past due and if we look at that data it could give us a bit more detail in terms of thinking about okay the longer something has been not paid to us the more likely it is that we're not going to get paid and we can come up with a more detailed estimate in that way in my opinion 
So in our example, we're going to have the amount that has not that is not past due is going to be $917,040. The amount that's 40 to 60 days past due, 171,945. 60 to 90 days past due, 34,389. And you don't have to memorize these numbers, obviously. And the over 90 days, 22,926. The point is that those all add up to the amount that's currently in the account receivable of 1,146,300, broken out by how past due they are. Then based on past experience, and this is where the estimate, of course, comes into play, we're going to say how much of that percentage is, is not going to be collected. The stuff that's still current, we're going to say 2% of it's not collected. Not, uh, we expect to get most of that because it's still current, it's still good. So we're going to say that that would calculate to be 18341 Of the 30 to 60 past due, we're going to say a higher percent. We're going to say 4% of that is going to be uncollectible based on past history. Note that the longer it hasn't been paid, the more likely it will not to be paid. And so we're going to say that 6,878 related to that group. And then of the 60 to 90 day past due, we had, uh, we're going to say 10% of that is not going to be collectible. And so we have three. So if we multiply the 34,389 in that group times 10%, we get uh, 3,439. And then if it's over 90 days uh, past due, we, we don't have a very good collection rate. We're going to say that uh, 90, 95% is going to be uncollectible which means that 21,780 is not going to be collectible. If we add all those up in those, two, those three groups, the amount that we believe is going to be uncollectible based on how old they are, we come up to 50,437. So what we're saying then is based on this calculation, we're going to say of the receivables of 1,146,300, we believe that 50,437 is a reasonable number to expect not to be collected. We don't know who's not going to collect us. We haven't like determined all the exact customers to see who's not going to collect that would be very difficult depending on the company what we can do is say hey based on past analysis this looks like a reasonable number now when we do it this way note that there's already 15,300 in the allowance account so we're not going to do the adjustment for this 50,437 we need to make the allowance account be that 50,347 so there's already 15,300 in it it's a credit we need to make it go up in the credit direction to 50,347 in this case. So what we need to do is take that 50,347 minus the 15,300 that's already in there. That means that we need another 35,137 uh, 35, in order to increase it from where it's at, 15,300, to what we calculated that it should be at the end of the day, 50,437. So that's going to be the transaction. What we're going to do is we're going to record bad debt expense related to this time period. And that's going to be 35137 the number we just calculated. And we're going to credit the allowance for doubtful accounts for 35137 So note that we are affecting the income statement. So if we record this, the income statement account of bad debt is going to go up. It's, a, it's an expense account. It's got a debit balance. We're going to increase it by 35137 and that's going to decrease net income being calculated as revenue minus expenses. So we're recording the bad debt that's related supposedly, hopefully, to that revenue and therefore being in compliance with the matching principle, even though we did the calculation on the receivable side. So because the bad debt expense and the revenue are related accounts. And then on the receivable side, we're going to say we had the 15300 and then we have a credit of 35137 it's a credit balance account. We do the same thing too. It's going to bring it up 
to 50,437. Therefore, going forward to the next time period, we're saying we have receivables. And, and when we report this on the financial statements, as of the end of the time period, we're going to say we have receivables of 1,146,300. But on those financial statements, we're going to say we believe, based on this calculation, that 50,437 of those will be uncollectible based on past experience. We don't know who, but that's going to be the average based on past experience that we believe is not going to be collectible of that receivable balance.